So it is um, good to be worshiping on this 4th of July. And for me, it's good to be in the United Methodist Church uh, in America. We, uh, we do have the freedom to worship God as we feel called by him. Today, we open uh, Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, and he writes these words. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." Most of us, or probably all of us, have studied uh, American history. We know why we celebrate the 4th of July. The, the Declaration of Independence was uh, signed on this day. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They have unalienable rights, such as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We've studied how our nation began how it fought for its freedom, and then how it expanded. When it began, we were the frontier right here, right here, what we now call Beaver County. We were on the edge of this new nation, a nation created from an idea, or we should say an ideal. It was a new nation, a new creation. It, it was not a nation that had thousands of years of history going from king to queen to king or ruler to ruler to ruler. No, this, this nation was a new creation on the idea of freedom. Sure, there were Native American nations that existed here before, Cherokee and Seneca and others, but this idea of forming a nation around an idea or an ideal was a new creation. We've studied that history, but I'd like to tell you that along with the history of America is the history of this Methodist movement. I believe they are inherently linked, and I believe the, the Methodist contribution to the, the birth and expansion of our nation is essential, essential to understanding it. The Methodist movement began in, in England with John Wesley and Charles Wesley and others. And it had an impact in England. In fact, some scholars credit it for the reason England did not have a revolution, like France had a revolution. That the Methodist movement not only uh, shared scripture and, and brought scriptural holiness and, and preached grace and forgiveness and salvation, but it also attacked the moral ills 
of society. It lifted the the lower class up. It declared that children should not work in coal mines, that children should not work in factories, that they should go to school and learn. It had such an impact in England that England did not have a revolution between the haves and the have-nots. But I believe really the Methodist movement came into its own in America. It was almost like it was, it was birthed and it was ready. John Wesley sent Francis Asbury, Thomas Koch, and others to America, and he said simply, offer them Christ. Offer them Christ. He didn't know what these colonies were going to be like, what this new nation was going to be like, but he knew who Jesus Christ was. And he knew if they simply offered Christ, that all else would be all right. This history of of America and Methodism is our history as Chippewa United Methodist Church. Our, Our nation on this 4th of July is 245 years old. Our church is 225 years old this year. 20 years after the declaration was signed, preaching began at what is now Chippewa United Methodist Church. These frontiers people, these pioneers that gathered here in this this hard scrabble life trying to to clear the land and and plant farms and, and clear the land and fence in livestock, trying to carve a life out of the wilderness. They knew that there was more than hard work. There was more than, than just the toil and sweat, but there was a God. They wanted to call the God to be in their life and in their toil and sweat and struggle on the frontier. And because some of them had experienced Methodism before, they decided to worship here in the Methodist style. Well, what is the Methodist style? It is that grace is first and foremost, that what God has done for us is more important than what we can earn on our own, that it's the grace of God that, that, that is above all else, that this message of salvation through Jesus Christ, this message of forgiveness and, 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 and mercy is about the grace offered to us through Jesus Christ. This, this Methodist style, this Methodist tradition, this Methodist movement, and it's singing It's singing. It's why we sing these songs today. We can't worship without singing. When we had to, when we reopened about a year ago, we were really told we couldn't sing. But but, but Pastor Ty and I were like, we can't worship as Methodists without singing. What would it be like? I I don't know. Because from the very beginning, the songs have been as important as the word. When John Wesley and Charles Wesley began in England, uh, a lot of the people were illiterate. And they were uh, working hard and going to the taverns after work. So that John and Charles literally took the tavern songs that they knew those songs, drunk or sober, they knew them. And they took words of God and put them to those tunes. They didn't have to learn a new song. They just had to learn new words as they were learning a new life about God and grace and salvation and God's love. So singing has always been a big part of who we are. We learn our faith through song, through singing. How often in a a day do you have a song going through your head? Some of these songs that are sung here, I know, carry you through the week that they echo 
in your life. Singing is important to who we are. It's part of our, our DNA. In fact, in, in early Methodist on the frontier and when this nation was beginning and expanding, we were criticized, criticized for singing too much, criticized for singing too loudly, criticized for worshiping God too enthusiastically. They were a little rowdy, those Methodists. They should be more prim and proper. I don't know if we'd still get that criticism today, but we should because there was a passion there was a zeal, there was a drive. Paul was writing about that, that God was reconciling people through Jesus Christ to himself. He was pulling people in. And the Methodists here in America had that zeal, had that passion that they felt they had been reconciled to God, that they had accepted God's grace and they wanted everybody else to be pulled in. And they were methodically, methodical because we're Methodist and organized but they were organized to the point of flexibility. It's part of our history, you see, because they didn't have to wait for people to have a church building. They didn't have to wait for people to have enough money to pay a pastor full time. No, if, if people gathered in a class or gathered in a meeting house and they wanted a preacher, the Methodists were poised to send a traveling preacher, a, a circuit rider, they called them on horseback, that went from church to church week after week, 10 churches, 12 churches, 15 churches, and they were able to organize and expand as our country expanded. They had a zeal and a passion to have people know that God loves them, that grace is above all, that God is reconciling himself through Jesus Christ. In fact, we had a reputation back then. There was a, a saying on a stormy night or a rainy night, an ice storm or snowstorm, that there was not a night fit out, the night wasn't fit for man nor beast. The only thing out tonight would be crows and Methodist preachers, people used to say. Because those circuit riders, those traveling preachers had this zeal, had this passion. They had to get to the next church. People would, would meet Sunday after Sunday and they would open the scripture and they would sing the songs and they would lead themselves. But, but once a month or once every two months, the preacher would show up. And that's when the bread and the cup would be shared. The preacher would show up. That's when babies and, and adults would be baptized. The preacher would show up. That's when the graveside services would take place. They would wait for that circuit rider, that traveling preacher to come. We were passionate, filled with zeal to reconcile people to God through Jesus Christ. We, the Methodists, were poised and ready as the nation grew, as the nation expanded. We were in every town, every community. If you drive around Western Pennsylvania, there's a little Methodist church everywhere because we had the desire for people to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. The grace, grace was above all. And I love that. It, it rings true with who I am, that, that I, I don't take myself too seriously. I take God 
more seriously, that what God has done is more important than what I do, that I can't earn this grace. I can't live up to it. All I can do is freely accept it. It rings true to my life because I know I'm going to fall. I know I'm going to mess up, but God will always be there, always be there to pick me up if I ask for forgiveness, grace above all. You know, we take for granted that our, our nation and, and this ideal of freedom and the salvation of Jesus Christ were always linked. But I believe the Methodist movement was so important in that, that it really could have been different. But we were ready. Us Methodists, us people of God were ready, organized, but flexible enough to expand and expand as our nation expanded to continue to offer and preach the grace of Jesus Christ in people's lives. That's why I've committed my life to ministry in the Methodist movement. It fits me. I know it through and through in my very being. Now, this, this young Methodist went to a, a Presbyterian seminary, and that's a, whole, that's a horse of another color. That's a whole other way of understanding uh, God. And, and in that seminary experience, I had to take a class called Systematic Theology. And when I heard it, I'm like, uh-oh, that's going to be something. And I had to understand how God saves the world, how God saved me, how God saved the world through Jesus Christ. Not only did I have to understand it, but I had to logically lay it out systematically and then had to write it in a paper and turn it into the professor. So it was a class, so I did that. It was a struggle, but I did that. And I handed it to the professor and I said, you know, here it is, my systematic theology. But I gotta tell you, if this feeble brain can understand it and I can write it on paper, then it can't save me. It can't have the power to save me. If me, this creation of God, this finite brain can understand it and put it down on paper, it can't have the power to save me. And he looked at me and he says, well, you're a Methodist. I said, yes, I am. Give me whatever grade you want to. But I know it is grace. I know it, what is, it is what God has done that's far more important. I can't earn it. I can't understand it. All I can do is freely accept it. And I give thanks for this nation. I give thanks for this church. I give thanks for the Methodist movement in America that has brought the power of God into so many lives. So today we come to this table. We've, we've gone to the practice of serving communion once a month, and it's a little different, but, it, but it, it beckons back to that, those people waiting to the preacher come, you know, once a month and come to the table. Now, us, us preachers, we're here every week for better or worse, but uh, we're going to come to the table because this bread and this cup has been served. This table has stood in the wilderness. It has traveled by horseback year after year. It has traveled in all kinds of weather. This message of grace and salvation comes to us today in our digital world, just like it came to the pioneers here on the frontier. Let us pray. Almighty and all gracious and all loving God, we ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon each one of us gathered here this day.
Pour out your Holy Spirit upon the likes of us. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us right where we are. And pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and cup. Make the bread and the cup be for us the body of Christ so that miraculously through your grace we might be made the body of Christ in the world today one with you and one with each other and one in ministry to all the world, ambassadors of Christ with this message of reconciliation. Reach into our heart this day, O God. Reconcile us, make us right with you so that we can walk in the world in your way. We ask this in the name, the most powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.